welcome back to the Greg Proops Film Club here at the fabulous Cine Family in Los Angeles' most astounding cinematic experience, uh, located right here on Fairfax Avenue in the expensive streetwear district where men uh, who are young and wear baseball hats with flat bills uh, convene and stand in giant lines to buy athletic shoes and then sell them presently on eBay for an inflated price. Uh, that and kosher food and, and, of course, Golden State hamburgers are the whole show here, uh, as well as Cine Family here. And welcome back to the Greg Proof Film Club. Tonight, we're going to be showing Sydney Limits 1973 cop classic Serpico with Al Pacino. And um, I want to thank you, uh, for everybody, for coming out tonight. You're the, uh, the proud uh, cinematic goers here in L.A. You already knew that. Uh, a lot of people are at home tonight because... We've had unseasonable weather here in Los Angeles in February. It's, it's been in the high 60s, and uh, there was a light rain for several days. And so people here have curled into a fetal ball under a desk in their home and aren't even going to work. People are calling into Paramount and saying, no, I can't come in today. There, there's moisture all over the ground, and I don't know what it is. Uh, the idea of uh, Los Angeles in so many ways is uh, um, that to be here, you have to be the biggest asshole in the world. And then... Uh, uh, yeah, finally, you'll get respect. But uh, uh, when the rain comes is the time when, rather than washing away all the pain and evil and dirt and filth that humankind uh, puts out upon this earth, in Los Angeles, it, it's rather a Noah's Ark situation. And whatever surviving horror there is floats to the very top uh, and is in front of you driving uh, while you're trying to go to the valley and is going either eight miles an hour or a thousand miles an hour passing you on the right. Uh, going down Ventura. This is what happens in Los Angeles. Uh, there's a, a frequent uh, a trope or, or a maxim here that's bandied about uh, incessantly in Los Angeles, which is that uh, no one here knows how to drive when one drop of rain falls. Uh, I would go even further. Uh, if, if the weather dips below 70, people demand that the outside heaters be turned on. Um, no one here has any blood in their bodies uh, because they do not ingest food into their bodies. Only cocaine and the juices from certain hot guys. So... There's really no sustenance to be had in here in L.A., as well as no weather. There's no seasons, as I've pointed out here. We don't have uh, winter, summer. We eschew traditional seasons that the rest of America uh, suffers through or enjoys, or however you wish to look at it. We have pilot season, fire season, and earthquake season here. Uh, right now, we're in pilot season. So if you are in the show of business, uh, you're, 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 you're having to go to your auditions in, a, in, a, in a, what can only be described as a torrent, uh, a biblical fucking unceasing uh, Greek mythological torrent uh, sent down by the gods to destroy Los Angeles. Then, of course, it's nice the next day. Uh, and you talk to your friends on the East Coast, or rather you text them, and uh, they go, fuck, it hasn't stopped snowing in Boston for like six months or whatever. And then you write back, yeah, but you deserve it. Uh, and indeed they do. Uh, so uh, that's the difference here. We, we don't deserve anything in L.A. except what we get, which is shitty drivers who are inconsiderate um, to a fault. If there was a way to be more inconsiderate as a driver here, it has not been found in Los Angeles. It's been perfected long ago. Say you're at a stoplight and uh, you wish to go, um, but uh, a, a family of misshapen trolls has... has uh, taken to the crosswalk uh, because they don't understand colors and they've never been anywhere. They've just come from Middle Earth. And <laughs> if you go, you'll, you'll run over several of them at least, or at least injure some of the smaller trolls, uh, the ones with the unpronounceable names like Hick and Hach and whatnot. Uh, the person behind you will lay down on the horn like fucking Faye Dunaway in Chinatown. Just bah. <laughs> 
their desire is that you drive through the crosswalk and uh, kill everyone in that crosswalk. And, of course, you'd like to maintain some shred of humanity while you're here and busy ingesting Satan's uh, um, horrible, horned member into your body every morning as your only breakfast. Uh, there's so many concessions you have to make just to be here anyway uh, that uh, the weather, of course, is always good. All British people who've moved here, who, by the way, never go back to London. You meet a lot of British people here in Los Angeles. And uh, you go, where are you from? And they go, London. And you go, uh, and they, oh, fucking on this London. I love it. Yeah, I fucking love it. Really? When was the last time you were in London? Uh, 1996. You know, listen, you can't beat the weather. Uh, and that's what they like about it here. It doesn't matter that L.A. is the most venal place in the world it, uh, or that people put uh, their own raw personal self-interest ahead of every other consideration. And that includes in line at the coffee, bean, and tea leaf. Um, I'm not just talking about meetings or show business deals. I'm talking about every situation in L.A. There is someone trying to stomp you so they can be first. Um, it's like Manchurian China here, the hierarchy. Uh, there are people born in litters and there are people in the sidewalks literally scraping filth out and those are all on the same set. Uh, so uh, we all know the deal here. So thank you very much for coming out to the people that did because uh, golly, it's cold tonight. Uh, I'm going to Philadelphia this weekend, by the way, and um, wow, everyone I've talked to on the phone in Philadelphia because I've had to do interviews and stuff is like, I hope you're ready for the weather here. And I'm like, I'm not ready for the weather. <laughs> Um, my gonads have already sent me a series of excoriating emails warning me against the eventuality of what will happen when they're forced to find that kind of cold uh, about them in my trousers when they rush to seek sanctuary in an internal organ they have no business hiding in. <laughs> While horizontal snow uh, pitches through the air in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, 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 a skilling arc into your eyes like tiny icicles of terror. And uh, I stand on the corner crying bitter tears of pain and resignation while a small child in an eagle's jersey laughs at me. <laughs> but enough about Philly. Uh, tonight's picture is one of the great cop pictures. The 1970s, in my opinion, are the greatest cop picture decade. If you want to talk gangster movies, you, you might go back to the 30s for Scarface and Little Caesar and whatnot, uh, uh, the public enemy. Uh, if you want to talk about, um, you know, uh, uh, prison movies, there's the 50s and uh, Chained Heat and all that jazz. And then, but really the 70s, and I don't mean gangster movies because obviously the 70s is a superior gangster movie uh, period as well. I'm talking about cop movies. And I think it really started uh, with The French Connection in 71, um, which my father took me to see in a theater. And I never realized there was that much swearing in New York. And also... <laughs> The, uh, uh, we've shown on the, this picture was chosen by Jennifer, my wife, uh, who uh, uh, chose, has chosen for this film club um, The Taking of Pelham 123, Dog Day Afternoon, Annie Hall, and Serpico. So that'll give you a good idea of where she's coming from. Uh, evidently, there's always a burning trash can in my wife's imagination and an emaciated dog and someone wearing a midi jacket uh, made of black leather sticking up a place and no one holds their guns sideways in the 70s. We held our guns like human fucking beings. Okay, when we killed each other in the 70s, 
We held a gun like a human. We didn't turn it sideways. No one ever jumped in slow motion while clips flew out. That was a later development. That was from the Hong Kong school. That didn't happen in the 70s. In 70s movies, violent is quick and ugly. That's how we did it in the 70s. And then if you were Sam Peckinpah, it was lovingly, artfully done in slow motion and then awesomely freeze frame. And then if you were super lucky, full stop with the sound of an F-stop shutter in the background. So it would be ka-chee, 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 like that. Well, blood came out of someone's eyeball or whatever. Or if you're full on Sam uh, Peckinpah, like um, uh, Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, uh, you have Warren Oates actually talking to a severed human head in his car for a good deal of the movie. And this was mainstream entertainment that children were taken to, okay? So fuck you, Last Airbender, and fuck you, Hangover 8. And yeah, no, seriously, seriously. Uh, uh, what was the one they just had where the guy, uh, he breaks the code during the war and, he, and he's won all the Oscars? The something, what is it called? Fuck you, imitation game. I don't know if you've ever driven through a trash fire in a fucking 1978 Buick uh, with a bunch of French people on your ass wearing plaid jackets, but that's what the fucking 70s were about. Oh, she also picked coffee uh, with uh, Pam Greer, which takes place right here in Los Angeles and is a documentary about what Los Angeles was like in those days. Uh, it's vicious, racist assholes being mean uh, to black people and really what has changed. Uh, so uh, it's a very exciting period. And I really believe that the French Connection and then Serpico, uh, uh, I mean, like uh, Sidney Lumet made Dog Day Afternoon after this and brought Al Pacino back and they're a, they're a fantastic pairing. The, my only regret is that Al Pacino didn't do a Robert De Niro Martin Scorsese thing and do like five movies with Sidney Lumet because Sidney Lumet really had uh, the temper of the times and had the perfect vessel and vehicle by which to show his uh, humanistic uh, point of view with Al Pacino who at that point in his career there's like four or five Al Pacino careers there's the first couple of films there's Panic and Needle Part what's the first one me Natalie or Natalie and me or whatever and then then there's this period uh, Godfather 2 which he had to fight to get and Coppola fought to get it for him uh, the executives called him the midget uh, on the set yeah this is Hollywood okay you guys you thought the Oscar program was mean um, Joan Rivers, who invented the red carpet, and no one would ever fucking watch the red carpet. I've been watching the Oscars since the late 60s, since I was a child. I mean, continually, by the way. I mean, perpetually. At no point have I stopped watching the Oscars. Uh, or as they call it in my house, Passover. Um, the, uh, thank you. That was Bob Hope in the old days. But yeah, they used to have comedians do it. And anyway, um, uh, uh, <laughs> At no point uh, did, was there a red carpet program. When I was little, the Oscars started when they started, and they were over when they were over. There was no red carpet before or after. In essence, I think Joan Rivers did more. Uh, aside from the fact that she wrote and started a movie and was in a bunch of other movies, uh, they didn't give her a little... And also, the tribute section was poorly rendered drawings. Instead of... This is a show about film, is my understanding. Um, if I was going to do like a, a tribute to a sidewalk artist... Uh, who, yeah, who drew funny pictures of stars and shit. You know, and the Beyonce one's got like a big butt or whatever and lots of hair and shit. And the Justin Bieber one has like, you know, a monkey and a, and a, a bucket of urine and whatnot. And you know, how, you know how they draw the caricatures. 
Uh, that's what it looked like they did this year. It was like the beginning of the Red Skelton show from the early 70s. It was fucking horrible. Um, uh, all that was missing was that it was by Leroy Neiman, and you couldn't tell who anybody was. That it was just yellow and orange swatches and purple hair and whatnot. But they didn't show uh, Joan at all, and they didn't give Robin a 20-minute fucking tribute and light a fucking fire in his honor. And they left Taylor Negron and Jan Hooks out, so fuck you for that. In any case, uh, um, it was never different. Um, but what was different was they did not have a, a, a red carpet, and Joan Rivers was absolutely responsible for that. Now, Al Pacino, in this part of his career, is like the greatest movie actor of all time. From Godfather 2 through about four or five pictures in the 70s, it's an extraordinarily fertile period, and it's really the period that you have to look at. When you're, uh, he, obviously, he's made lots of great things since then, and he's had two or three comebacks. But uh, the 80s was the injustice for all, and then he did Revolution. And uh, Revolution is like... Uh, I'm sorry to stop on it, but it, 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 it marks one moment in, 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 in his giant career. Then he swooped out of that. Then there was the Son of a Woman Consolation Oscar, which we were all very glad he got, uh, even though we watched the movie recently, and wow. Uh, it's a 10-minute sketch about someone yelling the word cunt. And uh, I'm sorry I said that right now. I really am. I didn't mean to say it, but it just popped out. I think I'm channeling a little bit of the later screamy Al Pacino. Uh, how can you possibly blame it on him when you make a horrible, egregious error like that? Well, one, I'm glib, and two, I'm shallow. So working for me, that's how I was able to do it. Uh, I have nothing but respect for him uh, as an actor. And if you've noticed in the last few years, there's been the Jack Kevorkian and the Phil Spector roles, which he was fucking awesome in and beats it up real big time. I think he knows exactly what he's doing at all times. I think that pictures got away from him and became a little more corporate and a, a little less uh, personal. And uh, his greatest pictures are these personal statements where one person is doing uh, an amazing uh, you know, uh, uh, abdication of themselves and uh, uh, putting themselves on the line for what they believe in, whether it's Dark Day Afternoon or even the Godfather movies, which uh, you have to admit, uh, even though he's a gangster and his motives are completely venal, uh, he is, of course, fiercely loyal unless you cross him in any way and then he has you killed even if you're his fucking brother. So <laughs> that's the exciting part. He was nominated for the Oscar uh, when this picture came out and he did not win. Uh, Jack Lemmon won for a movie called Save the Tiger and that was Jack Lemmon's Lifetime Achievement Oscar. He'd been around a long time and had been in a thousand sensational films and, been in a, and then was later in more uh, tremendous films including Salvador uh, which is superb and The China Syndrome which is a bit screamy now uh, but you have to remember in 1979 we were going to die of nuclear stuff. Now we're going to die of a lot of other shit so time moves on. Um, this movie at the time and of course now is uh, most resonant because it's about the abuse of police power and I don't think there's a better time to show this which is why we kind of wanted to show this tonight uh, than right now in the United States when there's uh, protests every day uh, over the Michael Brown uh, non-verdict and the Eric Garner non-verdict and uh, the un uh, Precedented use of uh, abuse by the police of their uh, power, the fact that they're overfunded, have military weapons, and that we're allowing this to happen in this country with very little debate uh, up till a certain point when the shit hit the fan and now there's quite a lot of debate about it, which couldn't be healthier. In the 70s, you have to remember, uh, the world was going to change and icky, ugly white guys weren't going to run everything. Um, then, of course, came uh, uh, Ronald Reagan and we reversed that short mistake in American history. Uh, in the 70s, there was going to be uh, equal rights for women. There was 
was going to be an amendment that made that part of the law of the country. Uh, there was going to be rights for, uh, there was Latino power, black power, Asian power, uh, gay power. Uh, the Indians took over Alcatraz. All these awesome things happened in the 70s. Uh, and, and people will have you believe that it was the me decade and that nothing happened. I have to tell you, it was real exciting. And the pictures were off the fucking chain. They also let a lot of coked up uh, wild people run the asylum for a while in the movie industry because they had no idea what to do after the 60s were over. Um, older men were running the industry and they went like, what is with the dope smoke? And then all of a sudden, every like for instance, in this movie, uh, our lead, Al Pacino, is a policeman. At, for a good deal of the movie, he has an earring, a beard, and a man bag, okay? Um, I dare you to find a movie from the 50s where Dana Andrews has a beard and a man bag and an earring. So uh, everything changed. In any case, uh, with, uh, what's been going on in Los Angeles with the LAPD, of course, uh, um, the mentally disabled being shot on the street, young people being shot, basically with impunity. Uh, um, this picture is more timely than ever because this is the story of a good cop uh, who won't... Uh, Take no and won't participate in being a bad cop. And, you know, don't start with me on the, well, are you saying all police are bad and blah, 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 blah. Let's not talk in generalities of black and white like we were viewers of a station that starts with F and ends with X and has a vowel in the middle. Let's talk like adults and say that there's shades of everything. And it's absolutely possible at one point to be a grown-up and understand that uh, police can abuse their power and that by saying that, it doesn't make one unpatriotic or myopic in any way. It merely makes you aware of what's going on in the goddamned world, uh, which people have always been. Uh, it's simply that um, movies are a slow reflection of what's happening in society. For instance, at the Oscars, Selma was not nominated for anything, even though in the 50th anniversary uh, of this great event, it would have been most appropriate to do so. Uh, however, the people who vote in the Academy are older, and uh, like when it rains like this, they're not going out at all. They're not even going to Nate Nows. You know what I'm saying? So, thank you. That joke was brilliant. If the C-bomb from earlier is keeping you from laughing at current jokes in the monologue, I'm going to have to ask your indulgence. Last year, 12 Years a Slave won Best Picture. It's been a couple of years since the Civil War. <laughs> so really, uh, yeah. And Gone with the Wind is shown all the time as a paragon of American filmmaking. Now, there's no question. It's a breathtaking spectacle. It's also one of the most uh, distinctly racist films you'll ever watch. There's no other way to describe Gone with the Wind. You can't let it off the hook for the time period because it was written in the 30s. It wasn't written during the Civil War. And you can't let it off the hook for, oh, that's how people were then. Um, people were always assholes. This is Hollywood. Um, I guarantee you, in the 30s, people were driving in front of the red line fucking car and not letting it go. Yeah, thank you. In a giant fucking Packard, they were blocking the fucking road. And if you didn't go and kill a guy who was crossing the street, they'd lay on the... Then it was like... Or whatever. And John Houston was on your ass all the time. You'd get to a four-way intersection and he'd be like, go, why aren't you going? Go, oh, oh, go. Oh. It was different then. 1979 quote from Al Pacino. I was at the Oscars once for Serpico. Uh, this was the second time I was nominated. That was the second time I was nominated. I was sitting in the third or fourth row with Diane Keaton. Jeff Bridges was there with his girl. No one expected me to come. I was a little high. Uh, fuck to the yeah. 
but to the air. Do you think anyone who goes to the Oscars now in this corporate environment that we're living in, where in the recent memory of us as filmgoers, a studio in this town pretended that the North Korea hacked them and tried to stop them from showing a comedy film with Seth Rogen in it. We all, we all, no one's laughing, but everyone's like, well, I thought that was true. Sure, of course it was. Before I came on tonight, I got an email from Paraguay saying, if I came on the stage and talk, yeah, think about it. They have dictators, I have dictators. There's no dictator in Paraguay. Don't ever counterman me with your thoughts. As I've said before, these aren't theories. These are facts I thought of. Somebody had done something to my hair. Blew it or something. I love him. You mean when you were sitting there and a guy came over and styled your hair with a blow dryer? You mean that's what happened? Someone did something to my hair. And I looked like I had a bird's nest on my head, a real mess. I sat there and tried to look indifferent because I was so nervous. Anytime I'm nervous, I try to put on an indifferent or cold look. At one point, I turned to Jeff Bridges and said, Hey, looks like there won't be time to get the Best Actor Awards. (laughs) He was a little high. (laughs) The show doesn't stop. The show carries on. It is, in fact, the longest show of all time. This year, it was seven hours and 14 minutes. And that includes the Lego number and the, and the horrible, horrible br- briefcase thing. The briefcase thing, you'll, we'll never get that time back. I hope that your end is a Pacific one. I hope that your end is serene and that you're surrounded by the ones you love in your own home and purple butterflies gather over your head and that a a giant pink fold opens up in the universe and like James Cameron's The Abyss, a fluttery, translucent creature takes you to another world. That's what I hope happens for you upon the moment of your demise. However, the five minutes that briefcase bit took you might be laying there and just go and pull up short. You know what I mean? There'll be a tube inside you and you're like, why did I watch that? I could have had more time with the people I loved. And just then your grandchild runs in, gamma, gamma. And you no, you're dead. You're dead. All you needed was that five minutes back from the 2015 Oscar program and you don't have it now. Waste not, want not. Six Semper Tyrannus, Cargo at Ergotum. I sat there and said, oh, we had read that part. Oh, so he said already, they won't have time for the best actor to Jeff Bridges. Now you must imagine the moment. They're in the third row of the Oscars. Um, Jeff Bridges is with a girl. Al Pacino is with Diane Keaton, who's wearing something kooky. Probably in the early 70s, big tie, big collar, straight hair parted down the middle. Foxy. Super foxy. Uh, He gave me a strange look. He said, oh, really? I said, it's over. The hour's up. And he said, it's three hours long. I thought it was an hour TV show. Can you imagine that? I was a little high. And I had to pee bad. 
So I popped a Valium. Actually, <laughs> actually, I was eating Valium like they were candy. I think you mean as if they were candy. Finally came the best actor. Chewed on them. Finally came the best actor. Can you imagine the shape I was in? I couldn't have made it to the stage. I was praying. Please don't let it be me, please. And I hear, Jack Lemon. And I was so, just so happy I didn't have to get up because I never would have made it. <laughs> I give you Al Pacino and Serpico. What a swell picture. It's better than I remembered it. When he's the Hasidic Jew, is there a better movie in cop history, a better moment in cop movie history, really? Then later after that, he's got like a gold vest on and he has the glasses and whatnot. Some, then later he's in a Pearl Jam. He's one of the roadies. He's got the plaid shirt and the weird Pendleton hat. Um, some of his undercover outfits. All I can think of is the Mad Magazine parody from the same year. He goes, at one point he's a clown, then he's Hitler in one scene in the Mad Magazine one. That's how powerful this movie was. Um, if you remember the, uh, the television show Beretta, um, The Cockatoo, uh, uh, there was also a show called Toma with Tony Musanti. Um, every Italian-American actor played an undercover cop at one point in their career in the 70s. And it's all based on this picture here. Um, by the way, Frank Serpico moved back from Switzerland. He lives in New York, and he talks quite a lot about police corruption in this day and age. He did many interviews last year. And uh, his feeling is that there's untrammeled police force used and that there's no repercussions to it at all. And that he went through the same thing. And that Medal of Honor they gave him and stuff, they never gave him a, a formal one, quite frankly. And uh, the two guys that were with him when he got shot in the face um, didn't phone in the 911 call. Someone in the building did, um, just so you know. Um, uh, that wasn't to down your spirits. Uh, to make your spirits go high again, uh, how great is Al Pacino in this movie and how fucking gorgeous is he? One. And two, uh, exactly. Uh, Sidney Lumet's filmmaking is so brisk. Uh, that that picture is over two hours long and it clips right along. Also, everyone, I think, in the room really wants to take a shower from being on every fire escape and every shitty fucking landing. And uh, uh, the coffee cups... Um, the dial-up phones, the telex machines, uh, the pay phones everywhere. Uh, it's an entirely different world uh, that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, that, that now, I don't think really um, uh, handheld phones and uh, uh, um, Starbucks can really replace the kind of color uh, that these pictures had. Um, the other thing that struck me was they're very dedicated to stopping the spread of drugs uh, in poor neighborhoods. Uh, and that's always such a big issue. Uh, and now it, it almost seems um, quaint, if you know what I mean. Not that it's not still a giant problem, but the idea that the police are somehow protecting the poor um, by shooting them and, uh, and taking their drugs away. Uh, when we all know, I think, uh, that like in this picture, which was so beautifully and artfully uh, 
uh, depicted um, older, icky, ugly white guys who have all the power will do anything to protect their greed and graft at any moment. And that's been the through line, I think, in American history uh, that we can still be proud of that we're uh, uh, fighting against today is that um, the problem was the same in 1973 as it was in 1873 as it was now, uh, which is that ugly, icky white guys um, will do anything to back up their shit and never let anyone else in. My wife at one point said to me, no women police officers. But I will say this, uh, since Jennifer picked all these 70s pictures, Tony Roberts, um, who plays uh, the, law, uh, the other cop Blair in it, uh, with the high-waisted pants and he talks like this, uh, is in The Taking of Pelham 123, Annie Hall, and this movie. So he has a giant fucking triple header of awesome 70s movies. And dig this. They wanted to make this as a sequel to Butch Cassidy with Robert Redford as Serpico. <laughs> Fuck yeah. And Paul Newman as the Tony Roberts part. And that fell apart. And the director of Rocky was supposed to direct this, John Avildsen. And he fucked off the picture and they put Sidney Lumet on it. And John Avildsen directed Save the Tiger. Uh, that Jack Nicholson, I mean the Jack Nicholson, the Jack Lemon. This is also a great Jack Nicholson era, by the way. Uh, this is the last detail uh, era when he was wicked thin. Uh, because uh, uh, Jennifer gave me a quote last week where Jack Nicholson said, without the sunglasses, I'm just a fat old man. Um, <laughs> which he said a couple of weeks ago. Uh, usually we discuss the pictures. If anyone does, wants to, we will. But I think this one's quite long, and it's a school night, and we all uh, need to... Yes, Lewis, my darling. Um, oh, Robo's got a mic. Just uh, one programming note. Because yes, there's, please. There's a movie you've spoken of with great affection. It's coming up on TCM. People can check their listings. Night of the Lepus is coming up in March. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so look yeah. for it. Night of the Lepus is a... Uh, if you've ever been worried about the uh, threat of rabbits growing to super large sizes and attacking a town in New Mexico, this is the movie that answers a lot of those questions for you. <laughs> Um, DeForest Kelly's in it in case you wanted to see him break away from his McCoy role on Star Trek and really stretch out in a pantsuit um, <laughs> this is the movie that gives you that opportunity and uh, if you've ever wondered what giant superhuman rabbits sound like when they're in attack mode uh, it's kind of a shrieky backward noise that is played quite often during the movie and if you haven't seen a bunny with makeup blood on its teeth um, Again, this is a chance for you to dip into that world and really experience some new horizons. I think as if I'm so glad TCM showing it. Normally, they show a lot of old movies uh, that don't have any merit, like Casablanca and uh, old Ray Milan shit. That who cares about? But uh, thank God we've gotten denied of the Lepus. Um, thank you for sharing that one, Lewis. Uh, it is a it is a fine movie. I mean, after the first half hour here. You're pretty entranced, I think, by Night of the Lepus. Um, about eight years later, Lamette would go back to police corruption with Prince of the City. Oh, yeah. Which I think is a, was a vastly underrated movie when it came out and probably Treat Williams' best movie. But, Agreed. Uh, I found a quote from Lumet in which he said one of the reasons he wanted to make that film... By the way, Robbo, this microphone, was this an AM radio mic from 1968? Yes, Lewis, go on, sorry. It was just the audio was kind of... One of the There's reasons. not enough fuzz on the end of the top. This is what was that Rick Overton joke? This mic sounds like how how uh, Pete Townsend from the Who hears. I'm good. How are you? Yes, Lewis. I'm sorry. Please finish your. 
Sidney Lumet said. One of the reasons Lumet wanted to make this film is he felt that he had, uh, in uh, this film, made the cops two-dimensional, and he wanted to try and rectify that in Prince of the City. I thought that was a really interesting quote. Fair enough, and he's such a humanistic director, and he's so, uh, I think he gives full reign to all characters, the son of actors, and, and actors love working with him. Something like 50 nominations for all the pictures he worked on, uh, and a bunch of people got actor awards. Uh, uh, sadly, Al didn't get this when he was busy eating Valium with Diane Keaton at the <laughs> Oscars that year, but he certainly deserved one for it. It's a, a wonderful uh, performance by him, and uh, I also feel like four years uh, after Prince of the uh, City comes um, uh, The Verdict, or three years after. And The Verdict is this movie with the Catholic Church as the bad guy, uh, except that Paul Newman's kind of an alcoholic in that one. And that one's utterly worthy as well. Um, by the way, if you want to go backwards in Sidney Lumet's oeuvre, um, not only 12 Angry Men, but he did Long Day's Journey into Night, uh, which is a wildly long Eugene O'Neill adaptation that Ralph Richardson and the magnificent Dean Stockwell um, beat the living daylights out of that movie. Catherine Hepburn and Jason Roberts are superb. There's no question. Catherine Hepburn is a little over the top. I know that's a surprise to a lot of people um, <laughs> that she might act too hard. Uh, in any case, I think, it, I think he's the most underrated. When I was a, a teenager, it was, it was oh, Coppola and Friedkin and uh, Scorsese, uh, Lena Wertmuller, whatnot. I think Sidney Lumet gets the least credit of any 70s film director. And if you directed Network and uh, Dark Day Afternoon and Serpico and the Anderson tapes and uh, I'm forgetting another mag- and, uh, I mean that's your 70s um, pictures, wowzers uh, those are as good as anybody's quite frankly um, I mean he had a lot of fortune to have Al Pacino in a couple of the pictures but um, it's really turning into an Al Pacino love fest here and that's what I wanted it to be um, the close ups of him at the end after he's been shot in the face where he no longer has a hole in his head <laughs> and his skin is perfect and I promised you a man bag and an earring, and we fucking delivered on that. Uh, it was pretty swingin'-tastic, McTavish. Um, I'm hoping we show... Uh, um, next month we'll be here, but I, don't, I, th- well, I think we're going to try to show Raising Arizona. And then uh, I'm also going to be over at the uh, Turner Classic. I know I shouldn't say it here, but we're going to anyway, because it's the Greg Proof Home Club. On March 28th, we'll be over at Turner Classic over at the um, Egyptian Theater. And I'm not supposed to tell you what the picture is. Um, but it's... Um, But anyway, we're going to show a picture there, so come to that. And um, uh, that'll be fun, too. And that's with a bunch of different people. Um, you guys are cineasts. Uh, the people who go to the Turner Classic Movie Festival are, are a, a different kettle. They're wild cinematic fans. Uh, and there's a lot more people who... Uh, uh, I don't know how to put it. They're in a different realm. That's all I can say. Uh, there's a lot more old movie stars. And this year, they're going to have uh, Sophia Loren and... Um, Dustin Hoffman, it's going to be fucking off the chain. I, I got to talk to Kim Novak last year, so fuck you. Uh, and she's hot as the Dickens, that's all I can say. And George Takiris, it's, it's pretty goddamn exciting. Anyway, uh, I won't even say what they Everyone was telling me here that there's hot Al Pacino news, but I'll leave that as a rumor for this. And uh, I'll just say uh, thank you very much for coming out tonight. This has been the Great Proofs Film Club. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you for coming and joining us for Super Bowl. I really appreciate it. Good night. Hey, hey, hey.